Uh, my name is Myungwa Choi. I'm one of the pastors at New Philly. Uh, I serve at Hillside Campus since this is being broadcasted to all the campuses. Hello, my name is Myungwa Choi. Good to see you, everyone at Itaewon, Seaside, and Sydney. Awesome to see you through the camera. All right. My bangs are not sitting right today, but <laughs> hope you don't mind. All right, so I'll be kicking off the Women's Ministry Month, which is this month, June. So if you didn't know, surprise, all the men of God, welcome to the month full of women preachers and prayer leaders and worship leaders. And no men are allowed to touch the mic this month. Come on. And I want to emphasize that this is not a feminist movement like we talked about at Sunday Swim earlier uh, at Hillside Campus. Uh, we just simply believe that God has anointed women in powerful ways. And women, we have something powerful to share to the house. Do you guys believe that? And we just simply want to take this month to celebrate what God is already doing in the powerful woman of this house. So we're really forerunning this, and it's been going on for, I think, for the past few years. It's been powerful. So I want you guys to really have your expectations up, and God's going to speak through me and other people throughout the month. Amen? Amen. So I just want to give you a piece of information that I got back from New York City 15 years ago, okay? So... I might be jet-lagged a little bit. Oh, 15 minutes ago. I mean, no, 15 hours ago. Point proven. <laughs> um, Grace. 15 hours ago, I landed back in Seoul. Whew, pray for me and just pretend that you get me, okay? If I don't make any sense, it's I put it on the jet lag. But, you know, New York City is a beautiful city. Is anyone from New York? <laughs> okay, awesome. It was a vacation, and I'm really glad to be back. You know, I really miss New Philly. So, and I believe that God's continued to speak to me about today, about this Sunday, about what I need to uh, speak on, and I know it's going to touch many hearts. So, you guys excited? Yeah. Awesome. Let's turn to Psalm 139, verses 13 to 15. This is one of the uh, few verses that transformed my life. Psalm 139, verses 13 to 15. I'll be reading from ESV. For you formed my inward parts. You needed me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Everyone says... Amen. This is known to be a psalm by King David. And he, did you notice, has such confidence about himself. Pretty much he's saying, God, I praise you because you just made me fantastic. You know, I'm an awesome person, you know, fabulous. You made me in such wonderful ways, in marvelous ways. And I praise you for that. And he adds on, he says, and I know it very well. Everyone says, says very well. And today, I want to unpack about this passage, how important it is for God's people to have such understanding of how we are created to be and have the same heart of celebration about how we are created to be. So Genesis chapter 1, we're going to kind of go back and forth today, but Genesis chapter 1, uh, let's turn there because it's easy to turn to. It's the first book of the Bible. In first chapter, Genesis chapter 1. So this is the creation account, and I'm going to take you guys to day number 6. So God creates within the 6 days, and on the 7th day, he takes Sabbath, right? So I'm going to talk about the last day of creation, day 6, and he goes ahead and creates men and women. So verses 26 to 27, because of time, and I'm going to jump to verse 31, but I'll read it for you. Uh, chapter 1, 26 to 27. It says, then God said, let us make men in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 27. So God created men in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then 31. I'm going to jump to verse 31. 
It goes, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And then the sixth day. Okay. Male and female are created in God's image. Everyone says God's image. image. And God called them, what? Very good. Everyone say very good. And in creation account, it is very important to know that God actually created everything to be good. So people, you know, believe that, yeah, God created the universe. He created the skies and heavens and oceans and creeping things and everything. But sometimes people miss this part. After each day of creating little by little of our universe, he adds a sentence and he says, it is actually really Good. It's pleasing to his eyes. And this is an important part of the scripture that we must believe. And let me explain why. Okay, so when Jesus died on the cross, which I believe many of us we know about, he died on the cross and then he was raised back to life. Do you guys believe that? When that happened, what he did was undoing of work of Satan, undoing of work of sin, undoing of work of death, right? So we went... Let's say Genesis chapter 3, the fall is like the turning point. Before that, the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. Everything was good. People were pure. We had intimacy with God, perfect fellowship. And then fell happened. And then people all went corrupt, right? But through Jesus' death and resurrection, we are returned to the place of Genesis chapter 1. The status of being in intimacy with God again and in being holiness again. Are you guys following? Awesome crowd. All right. And then if you think about that, and if you don't believe the fact that when God created things, it wasn't actually good, let's say, if you don't believe that portion of the Bible, then your theology, your gospel kind of gets messed up. Think about that. Jesus undid everything so that we could go back to Genesis chapter 1, but things are not really perfect there. Then Nothing makes sense. And what Jesus did on the cross becomes completely pointless. Are you guys following my logic? So it's very important for you to know that not just that God created all things, but he actually created everything to be good. And especially men and women, we are created to be very good. Everyone say very good. So in a nutshell, if you don't believe in the creation account, especially when he says they were very good, your theology will not end well. You know, when you dress up, you have to, when you wear a shirt, you have to get the first button right. Is that true? If you get the first one wrong, oh, you're going to look funny. You know, you know? it's not going to look good. And you have to undo it all again. And then, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So the first button is very important. And I think the first button of our theology is really the creation account. It's important how we start. And we got to believe that God made everything good. And let me lead you on a journey from here. So if you, if you apply this concept and this passage to what we are looking at, Psalm 139, King David is talking about the same thing, but creation in a personal level. You know, not the creation of the heaven and earth, but creation of me when I was formed in God's mind. You know, let's look at that with the same mindset. You know, King David is affirming God, affirming him, and praising him that, God, you did a great job in creating me. Man, look at me on the side, and on this side, on the back of my head, and the face. I am perfect. Fearfully, wonderfully made, wonderful job, God. Marvelous, flawless. I'm just perfection. That's pretty much what he is saying. Do you guys agree? And I wonder if any of you kind of talk like this. And if you do, I don't know if, you, if I would like you. <laughs> you know, but he's, he's speaking of all the things that he did not get to choose in his life. He's talking about everything that has to do with God's sovereign plan. You know, think about it. His gender. David didn't choose to be a boy. He did not. His name, he didn't name himself David, okay? His temperament, we don't exactly know. His personality, his family background, father being Jesse and all that stuff, he didn't choose. Intelligence level, he didn't choose choose that. His appearance, his height, his hairline, none of that. Uh, Everything that has to do with God's sovereign choice, it's really not your preference. 
Did anyone choose your own gender? If you did, let me know. <laughs> did you choose your own parents? Some people say it's not God, it's parents. You know, it's the mixture of DNAs that what you end up getting. I mean, that's true, but who decides your parents? God does, right? And then people say it's just science, DNA mixing up. And then who chooses how much, whose nose you get from daddy or mommy, whose lips you get, daddy or mommy, you know, whose balding gene do you get? <laughs> daddy or mommy, who chooses that? <laughs> Brutal, but God chooses that, right? So it's not really all science. It's not all your parents. It is ultimately God's hands. And when you consider yourself today in this context, can you say the same thing to God about yourself? God, I praise you and I worship you for the way you made me. You did a great job. You put that pen down. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. Mm-hmm. Amen, amen, Isaac. Amen. Flawless, you know. Fabulous. God, you made me so well. You did a great job. I'm just perfection. I don't think many of us have prayed such prayers or think like David did at all. If anything, these words, if they were uttered in church, they probably would have got into trouble for being arrogant or for being full of themselves or something like that, right? For being immature. But I love this guy's confidence that God, you did a great job in how you created me. And many times we are like, we look at ourselves and we think, man, why am I like this? Did you ever think that? Man, I wish I had that talent. I wish I could sing like that. I wish I could dance like that. I think that a lot. I wish my eyes were just a little bigger, you know, then I would look better in the broadcast. Or, um, what is wrong with me? You know, why do I talk like this? Or people tend to see what they don't have. People tend to criticize the biggest critics of themselves are themselves. Am I making sense? You know, why do I talk like this? (laughs) You know, uh, things like that. So people are always, but I heard, especially women do it a lot more than men. Is that true? When girls, when we look into our mirrors in the morning, all we see is how our eyebrows are not even... You know, how my pings are not falling right. Come on, come on. But I heard, like, brothers, when you look into mirrors and you're like, you're done shaving, you're like, you're hot. <laughs> That's what I heard. True? True? No? <laughs> you know, humble yourself, man of God, okay? <laughs> but I think, I think men got it right. I think it's important for us to reach the same type of confidence that King David had in our daily lives. Everyone say confidence. confidence. Do you want some confidence in you? And I'm going to lead you to how to get there. We have to know, we have to know that he created us well. And according to King David, we have to know it fully well. So that we will not be swayed by what the world says about us, what others talk about us. We have to know it, but we have to know it really well to the point where no man, no woman, what they say should not shake you and your faith in how he has chosen to create you. It's really his choice. You know, if you are attention with the first button of how God created you, if you really think about it, if you look at your past, your present, your future, creation point is our first button, right? But if you are at tension with God, if you have complaints and doubts about how he created you to be, then the first button is not fitting right. It's not at the right place. And if you keep moving down, you know, go move down to your childhood, move down to who you are today, move down to your future plans. If he made a mistake when he created you, oh, there's a chance that he may make the same mistake about you. If he forgot about something when he was creating you, if he wasn't intentional about it, then along down the road, you know, he may disappoint you again about how you are and how he does things in your life. How are you going to trust him with your present life? How are you going to trust him about his grand plans for you? You know, we always talk about God has awesome things in store for you. He has awesome plans for you. But if you are doubting at the back of your mind, but he didn't even create me right. 
You know, I don't even like how I am. I don't even like the set of gifts that he's given me. I feel like I always lack something. How are you going to trust and get excited about your future? You have to get the first button right. He created you well, very, very well, and we have to know it super well. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you got to know that. Oh, say it to like three people. We must be at peace with what he chose for us. And we got to know how to celebrate who we are. And what I love about New Philly is we know how to celebrate. We're not big on comparing people. And we're really big on celebrating how each person is. And that's one thing I think that really stands out about New Philly. We don't point finger at people that are different. We actually like them for their quirks and... Sometimes not, but yeah. (laughs) You know, we embrace, we accept everyone. And I really love that about our church. It was actually my birthday about two weeks ago. I just turned (laughs) 20-something. And um, I'm going to share one thing. I woke up that morning, my birthday morning, with this indescribable Thanksgiving in my heart. Literally, I opened my eyes... And I, I opened my eyes and I sat on my bed and I started to cry. True story. Not because I checked my Facebook and like a million people wrote on my wall, which that's true too. But it was before I checked my Facebook. I mean, I didn't get a package for my birthday. Nobody planned a birthday surprise for me. You know, nothing like that. But, but not that people didn't celebrate me, but I'm talking about early in the morning when I just woke up. And I started to cry. And the reason was, I just had this thought in my mind that I feel so affirmed in who I am today and how my life has been. And it's, I said, indescribable feeling of just being at full content. Not that I'm going to stay there forever, but absolute lack of striving, absence of striving. Like, how I am today is how he wanted me to be today, and I'm exactly that. Not more, not less. Even difficult things, challenges, sufferings that I went through. I mean, I can't say that I had a perfect life. I had my ups and downs. I had my suffering, seasons of suffering, guys. But I'm not saying life was always sweet. But even the difficult times, the journey he led me on was just so perfect. I will not trade it for anything. And my life right now is 100% how he designed it to be. Wow, I am his design today, right now. And it's only going to get better. When I turn 29, 30, it's going to get better. Sort of. Told you guys my age. But... <laughs> this jet lag, man. But it was a powerful encounter. You know, I went to work, you know, sitting at church office, trying to get some work done. But then I just couldn't resist. I cried all throughout the day. Because I just felt, man, so, man, just like how King David felt. Man, my life is just so awesome. Man, I love who I am. Man, my life is just crazy. So good, you know. And what I'm asking is, are you at peace with who you are today? Or are you struggling? Are you striving to be someone else? Are you at peace with what God chose you to be today? Your ethnicity, your gender, your family background, your appearance, your height, your level of intelligence, your temperament, whatever that you did not have control on. Are you trusting in him that he chose the right set for you? And there's one way to check. I was asking people, you know, and then people kind of have a hard time figuring out, am I at peace with myself or not? I, I don't really know. But one way to check is if you have a tendency to keep comparing yourself to other people, you know, oh, when you look at a pretty girl, it's not just about, oh, she's pretty, but am I prettier or is she prettier than me? Is she more popular or am I more popular? You know, all that. Like, uh, am I smarter? You know, if you have tendency to always compare yourself Like, oh, I have this gift, but she has that. You know, like, brothers, everyone, you know, if you have tendency to constantly compare yourself to others, you probably have some sort of struggle with accepting who you are completely. 
you know, because if you are 100% really content with what God chose for you, and you know that that's all you need, you really don't have to compare yourself to other people. You know, you don't have to try to be someone else. You know, I'm going to kind of share my journey as well. I mean, I've been in New Philly for over nine years. I came here... I came here when I was young, <laughs> about nine years ago, and I got saved at this church. So I have a long history with New Philly, but um, my initial struggles were very diverse. I used to be a super insecure. I was afraid of everything type of girl. And one thing I really wished I had was my, uh, my I wanted to be a kyopo. Korean American. So I wished, you know, I wished I grew up in California or New York or somewhere cool, you know, and spoke perfect English without accent, you know, that no one has to correct me and all of the stuff. You know, I wish I could just fit in, you know, that kyopo life, you know, the coolness of, you know, I hated it when people call me a bob because I never even got on that boat, by the way. <laughs> you know, you can't call me fresh off the boat. I never got on that boat. Come on. I'm just a Korean native, okay? And I used to hate it. But I just wish, man, I could have just fit into that cool group of, you know, kyopos, man. You know, and it just, it gave me a hard time. Back in the days, the atmosphere was different. There was a huge barrier. Uh, and kyopos were too cool to hang with Korean natives, you know? There was a little bit of that drama, so it, it gave me a hard time. I felt like I could never fit in. I felt like I was always the outsider. I considered leaving, but I had nowhere to go. Um, <laughs> you know, it was difficult. It was my big wish, you know. Oh, man, I wish my parents just left Korea and moved somewhere and raised me there, you know. But now I look back, and I see it as such a blessing for me to be a Korean native. 한국 사람. Chabushim. Korean pride, come on. <laughs> I am very, very happy because I know that. Now I look back and see God's strategy in it, you know. I had to be a Korean native. You know, for me to be the bilingual Korean native speaker on staff team, uh, to communicate with our KM, and to understand both cultures and languages and be the bridge in between, man, someone had to be a Korean native, and that's me. And I love that, you know. I'm, I, I love my accent. Okay, people laugh at my conglish. You can laugh at me. Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I love how people can laugh at me and I can make people laugh. And I love that, right? And my broken English people understand. You understand me, right? Uh-huh. Even temperament. I, I've been uh, secretly a wannabe phlegmatic, okay? I mean, a wannabe flag. If you're new to New Philly... We talk about four different temperaments a lot. You probably will hear about cholerics, sanguines, melancholies, and phlegmatics. And out of the four, my strongest is sanguine. Sanguine is like kind of people crazy, like, what is it? Oh, sanguines are loud. They like to talk, dominate the conversation, all that stuff. That's me. And um, good thing I have the mic. Uh, choleric is like past Christian, like boss, you know, uh, general. I make the decision. I am always right type of... But, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you know, that's a typical choleric, you know, they have strong leadership, by the way, but you know, what I always wanted to be is just phlegmatic people, they're chill, they're just cool, you know, they're just calm, they never freak out, they're never in a hurry, any flags here in the room, come on, yeah, even the way they lift their hands, I'm like, yeah. If I called that sanguine, they would have been like, woo! <laughs> That's me, you know? So different. You know, I just wished, man, I could just be that cool, chill, relaxed, flag, you know? Life is always just, you know, California lifestyle. But God didn't give me that, okay? I am the way I am, as you can tell. I am a, a, a cleric. Oh, yeah. But even that, he designed me that way. He knew that I had to have a certain type of leadership. He knew who I had to work with, a stronger cleric over me. And he knew <laughs> what kind of, you know, work that I had to do. You know, everything. He knew it so well that he made me the way I am. My personality, my temperament really was determined by God. And I look at it and I see it as a blessing. 
Um, I gotta talk about this. Appearance, looks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, a lot of brothers, like the moment I say appearance, like beauty, stuff like that, they kind of just close their ears off and whatever. But it applies to you. Men are created to be beautiful as well. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Somebody's with me? That's right, right? It's not just a woman thing. Men and women, we are both created to be beautiful and made in God's image. And I had a long fight against low self-esteem, self-hatred. I used to hate the way I looked. And I always thought I was too fat because I gained like 20 pounds within three weeks of period in, when I was 13. And then I went from like stick skinny to like a, like a ball of fat. Um, yeah, that imagery, you got that, right? And uh, that led me to a very low self-esteem, and uh, I was addicted to constantly being on a diet. You know, you, you starve yourself for days, and then you pig out, binge eat, uh, professionally said. And then uh, you would starve yourself again. That cycle went on for like three good years. And then afterwards, I was bulimic. Uh, bulimia, it's a clinical condition. Um, I was severely bulimic for six years afterwards. Uh, three years in high school, and then three years into my college as well. And I only wore, Korean winter is pretty cold here. Do you guys agree? It's pretty cold. I only wore skirts for five straight years. Skirts only. Because I was very insecure about my legs. Now I don't care. Okay. Um, I used to be bulimic. I said that already. And I just always wanted to be skinnier and fit into that Korean standard beauty. You know, that 소녀시대 status. Or maybe that's too much of a dream. But, you know... (laughs) Something similar, you know, a little skinnier. I wish I could have smaller face, bigger eyes, double eyelids, uh, prettier forehead. I I was obsessed with forehead that pops out like this, like Pastor Marcus's, you know, like. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Marcus at Itaewon. Everybody at Itaewon, feel free to stare at his forehead right now. Right now. Beautiful forehead. He's a good friend of mine. It's okay. Um, you know, and whenever I looked into the mirror, I would only see what I didn't like about myself. And I always had to fight the thought of, man, why couldn't God make me jump prettier? Jokum prettier, you know? <laughs> Just a little bit more, you know? Um, but let me tell you, now, I am very happy with how I look. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. No, this is too, too much. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, let me tell you this one story that's quite famous. But if you are new to New Philly, you never heard this before. So let me just repeat it. It's a good story. Um, back in 2007, that's when I was delivered from bulimia. It was a very supernatural story. Uh, I had bulimia for six years, and I would eat like a piece of cracker, and I had to throw up. It's, it was just a bondage. I thought I was trying to control my weight by... Choosing when to eat, choosing when to throw up, but it was actually controlling my entire life, and I couldn't function as a normal person. But you know, I I used to throw up like four to five times a day uh, when it was really bad, and I had a huge scar on my hand because you keep, you know, pushing your hands down into your throat, things like that. So very bad case of bulimia, but I kept it as a secret for the longest time, and it had to come out to the light. So I remember right before my mission trip to Philippines, I ended up confessing my sin to Pastor Erin. So back then, she was just Erin Anni. She was just an older sister. And I just confessed to her that I was struggling with it. You know, back then, we didn't really know what healing and deliverance was. We didn't know how to deal with it. It was a strong bondage that I was struggling with. So even confessing my sin itself, it brought a lot of freedom over my life. And I gained a lot of self-esteem, things like that. A few months later, I relapsed, and it was pretty bad. And it was worse than ever. I was, I think, under a lot of demonic oppression, I could not, in my mind, I will be crying out, God, help me. I, I'm going to die if I continue like this. However, my behavior wouldn't stop. So I was at that stage. And I remember in the middle of church cleaning in this very sanctuary, by the way, uh, I, for some reason, Holy Spirit led me to talk to her one more time. And I ended up telling her, Pastor Erin, I relapsed and I've been throwing up again. And then she You know, it wasn't like exorcism, you know, ghosts come out. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like beating down session, nothing like that. She just simply explained God's heart 
to me, for me, that he sees me differently than the world sees. And she told me that when God looks at me, he sees beauty. He sees his glory. When I heard it, um, I began to shake a little bit. I think my, something happened in my heart and in my mind as well. And um, that night was it. She prayed for me, but it wasn't all crazy like demons get out. Nothing like that. It was just a gentle prayer of God's love and God's affirmation that he sees me the way I am. And he thinks, he thinks that I'm beautiful. That simple prayer set me completely free. And I never vomited again after the point. So that's a, that's a story. But the real story comes after. The real, real story is... Uh, you know, Pastor Aaron prayed for me that I will see how God sees me with my physical eyes. That was a dangerous prayer, by the way, because it actually happened. So a few days after my deliverance, and I was, you know, still fighting the battle, and I was going toward the victory. And I remember being in a car with, I think, Pastor Christian or someone after Friday fire or driving down. And then I was in the car right next to the driver's seat. And then, you know, there is a little mirror that you can pop out. You know, I just had to check something in my eye or something like this. So I just popped it out and I opened it and ta-da, like what I saw was, oh my gosh, who's this? <laughs> Genuinely, I was, oh my gosh, who's this? You know, it was my face. And I, <laughs> I was just in awe of, oh, do I really? Is this, is this how I look? I was shocked by the beauty of my own face. <laughs> I stared at myself for a long time. And I think in the car, Sister Sunny, I think, was in the car. And then Sunny later told me she thought I was crazy. Because <laughs> I was staring at myself for like 15 minutes, you know. And that happened. And then like a day after, I was, you know, I was done showering. And I looked at myself. And I was like, oh, my gosh. What happened? That's true power. Of God, you know, I never looked at myself that way. I never thought I was beautiful. I never thought I was pretty. I never ever imagined to see really God's beauty through the eyes of God. I really bless you guys to all have that kind of same experience because it's pretty awesome. When you start to see yourself in a different way, it changes everything. Like what other people say stops, it stops bothering you. What media portrays as beauty, it does not apply to you anymore. Like how he sees you, when you finally get to see that, man, it transforms who you are. and actually makes you more beautiful. You know, everyone knows beauty is more than skin deep. Do you guys agree? The Bible says God is spirit, but the Bible calls him beautiful. You know, we could gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, the Bible says. But he's not a person. He's a spirit, but he is beautiful. Beauty is not just a physical thing. And beauty really emanates from inside because we are made in the image of God. So men or women, both of us, both genders, we are made in the image of God. And when that is revealed to the world, people will see that and call you beautiful. Man, there's something beautiful about that woman. Something beautiful about that man. <laughs> Sounds really weird, but, uh, you know, something different about that man, you know. That's the beauty of God that's going to come forth from you through because god has already put it inside of you it's not something that you go to beauty salon and get it's already in you you just have to reveal it to the world it's something that you just choose to shine to the world it's not it's not something that you go pay for it it's already inside of you turn to your neighbor i'm gonna make you do this say i am beautiful (laughs) with conviction Oh, man of God, say it. Every single man of God. See, already you guys look already more beautiful. Seriously. And you know, Bible continues to teach us about the beauty. And it really, it's about godly character. It's about loving attitude. We talk about Proverbs 30, 31 woman. You know, that's all about the inner beauty that really shines. You know, that, that chapter does not talk about a skinny girl with long, flowy hair. It talks about a woman that knows how to work. 
and you know, raise a family and muscular day and night. She's busy working. You know, that's a true beauty, and God calls it priceless, beautiful. You know, it's not all about what we see on the outer appearance. You know, you know, you guys know about Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa? Is, did I did I say that right? <laughs> Mona Lisa in Korean, okay? Uh, Mona Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa. That painting. You know, that painting is the most expensive painting in the whole wide world, right? If anything didn't change. If my, my research is right, that's the most expensive writing in the world. That painting is worth a lot of money. It's not because she is pretty. If you didn't notice, she's got no eyebrows. You know? The Da Vinci, is that his name? Leo, just call him Leo. Leo... <laughs> Leo could have, could have given him some eyebrows, but he didn't, right? We don't know what happened, actually. But, you know, it's not that she's the most beautiful woman in the world that that painting is so valuable. It's because Leo painted it. It's because he, awesome painter, painted it. That's why it's most valuable and worthy picture drawing of all time. You know, it's not about how you look like. It's about who created you and whose image you bear, Simple. And just a side note, I think even in appearance though, we're talking a lot about inner beauty, but I think we all bear unique beauty in how we are. Um, you know, God created ocean, sky, trees, forests. All these things are beautiful. Do you guys agree? Rainbows, northern light, amazing beauty is seen in the nature. God created all of them beautiful. And I think if he saw us and saw that we were very good, I think we're all created in beautiful image. You know, in New York, I went to um, this museum, Metropolitan Museum in New York City or something like that. But they had a lot of sculptures of naked people. And uh, they were beautiful. Like, yeah, they were very beautiful. I, I think, <laughs> weird topic, naked body, nudity, all that in an artistic way, they are very beautiful, right? So God created us to be beautiful, in, even in our appearance, but different cultures label different body types, different eyes, different nose to be beautiful or not to be beautiful, you know? But if you really think about it, you don't have to be conformed into that because that criteria keeps changing. You know, if I was born in Japan in 1600s, I'll be the prettiest girl in the world. I mean, in Japan. If you, if you look at their pictures, like girl with the white round face with small nose <laughs> is the prettiest, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I used to think, man, I should have been born into 1600s in Japan. But I think your beauty that you possess is so unique and so great to be boxed into those temporary criteria. Just love who you are. You know, don't try to fit into certain criteria. You really don't have to. I remember uh, going on missions trip uh, to Chennai this past winter, summer. Ooh, okay, you can be more confident about that. <laughs> yeah, the winter, we went on the trip, and then um, I was preaching to a bunch of hundreds of Indian kids, okay? You know how Indians have humongous eyes? And they're all really good looking. Oh man, those children are beautiful. And I was preaching something about how I look like my dad. And I was trying to make a point. And I, I said, do, do you see, do I have long face? And, you know, I'm preaching to children, so I'm really animated. Do I have a long face? And everyone goes, yes! <laughs> like the 500 of them, okay? And then I went ahead and I said, do I have small eyes? And all the kids are like, yes! <laughs> And, uh, you know, maybe they didn't see it beautiful, but, you know, I was the only one with the long face and the small eyes, but, you know, I think I was beautiful in the room as well, you know? I do not have to fit into a certain category or criteria of beauty. That's what I'm trying to say. Do not be conformed to the world. There is really no need to. The world standard, it comes and goes, but my God calls me his masterpiece. I am beautiful the way I am. I'm going to quickly run through how this view that David had about how, man, God did an awesome job. He did an amazing job in creating me. How his uh, view of himself, that confidence, affected his different life stages. Um, you know, he got the first button right. I am fearfully, wonderfully created. And then all the other buttons, it goes down smoothly. So if you really get to embrace... Um, 
who you are made to be and God, what God chose for you, this is really what happens. Embracing who you are empowers you in tremendous ways. It's something worth writing down for. Embracing who you are empowers you. So many people waste their lives trying to be someone else, trying to talk like someone else, act like someone else, try to fit into certain groups. The truth of the matter is when you do that, you're robbing the whole world of the treasure that you are. Because there really isn't anyone that is like you. You are the unique self. You are the treasure yourself is, but you are choosing to become someone else. Then the whole world around you is robbed of your beauty and of God's glory that's unique inside of you. So that is a sin. We should not be trying to be someone else. And striving also, striving to someone else, striving to be a certain way, it kills a unique beauty that you already have. Have you ever met a girl that is so self-conscious about her looks that she tries too hard to look pretty? Have you ever met someone like that? That girl is not very beautiful. She's just trying too hard. You know, it's kind of sad. Or have you met a guy that puts on puts up a very unnatural persona that he's not really himself, but he wants to appear a certain way. Have you ever met a guy like that? Oh, I have. Oh, I have. Many. (laughs) And they just lose. It's just not there anymore, you know? Just be yourself. You're most beautiful and you're most attractive when you are yourself. You're most powerful when you know who you are and just be satisfied in that. You know, First Samuel chapter 17, very famous chapter. This is chapter about King David, but it's, it's when he was a young boy. Shepherd boy, David, is fighting Goliath, a Philistine monster. He's humongous, okay? And she, he is fighting Goliath. And, you know, King Saul, being a nice person, offers David, a little boy David, royal armor, right? And he puts it on. And then he sees, David knows that it does not fit him. Shoulders are too big, probably. Plates are this huge. You know, it just does not fit him. So what David decides to do is he leaves it behind. I'm not going to wear these. I'm just going to go with what I have, what I'm comfortable with. He picks up five smooth stones to fight that giant. Kidding me? With a slingshot in his hand. Are you going out to fight some dogs? Are you kidding me? But he goes out and he knocks out that giant with one shot. That armor did not fit him. David was a man who truly understood what he had and who he was created to be. He, didn't, he did not try to fit into that perfect armor that was royal, that belonged to the king, but he knew what fit him, what would work with him, and he knew that what he had what it takes to knock him over. You know, it's powerful to know that you have what it takes. It defeats the mentality of lack. Sometimes we think, oftentimes we think, I want to get there, but do I have what it takes? But when you know that the creator did a marvelous job in creating you, you know you do not lack anything. He didn't forget about anything. He didn't make any mistake about you. Then what's in your hands, then what's in your heart, what's in your brain is enough. He never tells you to go from A to B and doesn't give you what it takes. He always gives you things that you need. So if you have the mentality, there's no lack in your life. I have what it takes because he created me to be this way. You know, Moses, another example is Moses was running away. You know, he was in the wilderness after killing an Egyptian man and he was hiding. All he had was a staff in his hand, a staff. What can he do with it? But what God did through that, one staff that he had was tremendous things. He parted Red Sea with the staff. Water came out of the rock through the staff. I mean, it was a power of God. But Moses thought, I do not have what it takes. I don't know how to speak. I don't know how to do miracles. God, choose someone else. But God was like, no, you have everything that it takes. You have the leadership in you. I will do the miracles and the tool is already in your hand. And sometimes we hold it in our hands. We're begging God, I don't have what it takes. God, why did you forget to give me that talent? Why did you forget to give me that boldness? Why did you make me this way? I let things. God's like, no, it's in your hand. You've been holding it the whole time. 
Use it. Let me use you. You can do it. You have what it takes. Everyone say, I have what it takes. Telling you, it's all inside of you. And you know, Jesus is never, he never told us to bring something extra. Bring yourself is what he commanded us to do. The way you are, what you have. Bring that to the altar. And I'll bring down the fire. I'll do the work. He never told you to bring what you don't have. And so many times we think that we got to bring something extra to make it happen. But no, all you have to do is bring yourself to the altar and let him take care of the rest. You know, crazy, because I'm preaching like this, and my guess what my biggest fear was, what I thought I didn't have. Maybe you're not convinced. Public, public speaking was my biggest fear of my entire life. I almost did not want to become a pastor because I was afraid of preaching, more so about uh, prayer leading and things like that. But now, I love it. I love the stage. I love making eye contact with people. I love being the one that talks and y'all listen. <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, it gives me life. It brings me joy. You know, after even long flight like I took last night, I didn't get any sleep, by the way. But it gives me energy. You know, it was all inside of me. But I just didn't know it because I never brought it to the altar. Man, when God's fire came down, game over. Uses me as a preacher to the nations. Think about it. Maybe your biggest fear is the biggest weapon that you have. Think about that. And uh, because of time, I'm going to kind of cut it short. But I want to mention this one thing. Very important. His faithfulness until today now guarantees his faithfulness for tomorrow. Sometimes you need to stop and look at how faithful he's been to me. You got to count the blessings. You need to look at how he made me to be, how he has been providing for me, how he's been loving me, how everything has worked out for my good. You have to just pause and look at those things. And when that faithfulness, what it tells you is he will continue to be faithful. He's not going to be a perfect God up to here and start to fail all of a sudden. You know, he didn't make any mistake in how he made me, how he's been working all throughout my life. And all of a sudden, he's going to stop being faithful. That's not his character. We have to look. God, you've been faithful until today. You will continue to be faithful. That's the deposit that we have. That's the assurance that we have. That's the confidence that we have. And we cannot lose sight of that. When you have that, this is one thing that's very different. When people have that confidence that, oh, I am just the way he chose me to be. When you know that, there's a strong sense of destiny. I don't know if you met people that just know that I am going somewhere. Even when their life is falling apart, their job opportunities are not opening up. It's taking forever, but they don't give up. They have this driven sense of destiny because they know this is how God made me to be. And I'm on the right journey. That driven, that, that sense, it comes through understanding that, man, this is how I am chosen to be, you know? And I think... When you face trials or waiting period and things like that, you have to have this guarantee. He will continue to be faithful. Then anxiety has no room. Really, worries, they shut up. When you know that, he will continue to be faithful, and that's all I know. That's the God that I know. He never made a mistake from the beginning, first button down to here, then he's going to continue to follow through. Really, if you are fighting against anxiety and worries, really reconsider how he made you to be and give him praise. You know, then how do we really become like that? You know, I shared a lot of testimonies and I'm sure it's boosting up your faith. There's only one, one way to get there. You know, I'm not here to try to convince you about, you know, because each person is so different. You guys are all different, and I cannot convince each and every single one of you about your background and all of that. But God surely will. And according to what David said, it's just this. You have to just know it well, even when you don't feel like it. Even when you don't feel like, I don't really, really, do I? But you got to believe it because the Word of God says so. Have to believe it, know it, and know it fully well until it becomes your default thought. I have what it takes. I am beautiful. I am wonderfully, fearfully made. There's no mistake in my life. Have to make it your 
default thoughts. And also, I love what King David does here. He doesn't just know it. He prays God for it. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but praise him for how you are made to be. God, thank you for my nose. Man, thank you for my, I don't know, something, you know? God, thank you for this gift that I haven't really used so far, but thank you for that. Thank you. Praise you. You did a great job, God, in creating me. You did an awesome job. You know, if the devil can convince you to start hating yourself, really your future is dangerous. You know, if you are really convinced that, man, God really didn't do a good job in me, then the future, guys, I'm concerned for you. Have to get that first step right. You are just the way he wants you to be. Today, you are where he wants you to be at. And having that confidence, continue to praise him on and continue to repeat King David's prayer in who you are. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, so my, my soul knows it very well. I just want us to um, close in prayer. Uh, campus pastors at each campus, you guys can feel free to take on, lead the prayer time, altar call, whatever. Feel free to do that. Be led by the Spirit. Uh, For Hillside Campus, what I want to pray for is, my heart was going out uh, for men and women. I'm not just talking about women here. Men and women who have a hard time believing that you are created in a beauty. Beautiful. During Sunday swim, God was screaming into my ears, and I could not resist. He kept saying, Myung-ha, declare their beauty. Let them know how beautiful they are. Let them know how their, my glory shines upon them. Let them know that the way they are made is not an accident. That I look at them and I smile at them, that I am marveling over their beauty. Women and men, I'm talking to both genders right now. The way you are made, even in your physical appearance, God is trying to tell you He loves the way you look. He likes you. That's the set of stuff that He chose for you. He loves the way you are. I'm just going to invite everyone to just close your eyes.